Well, good morning and welcome to Cross Point Church. Whether you're here in Sioux Falls or somewhere in South Dakota or anywhere and everywhere out there in cyberspace, we are really grateful that you've chosen to take this time and worship with us this morning. Uh, just a, uh, a footnote here in my notes, I just want to remind you that we'll be back here again next Friday on Good Friday at 6.30 p.m. and then again on Easter Sunday morning a week from now at 10.30 a.m. So whether you're able to join us at those exact times or any time after, the video is always available on the website. The Christian calendar identifies today as Palm Sunday, and I'd like you to take your Bible and turn with me to Mark chapter 11 as we read some of the events of what Palm Sunday was like that day in Jerusalem. Reading from the Gospel of Mark chapter 11, I'm going to read the first nine verses. Now we remind ourselves this is the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. Mark 11 verse 1. When they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and will send it back here right away. So they went and found a young donkey outside in the street, tied by a door. They untied it, and some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the donkey? They answered them, just as Jesus had said, so they let them go. Then they brought the donkey to Jesus and threw their robes on it, and he sat on it. Many people, it says, verse 8, many people spread their robes on the road, and others spread leafy branches. Now, just a note, if we were reading this out of the Gospel of John, we get to John chapter 12, verse 13, and John tells us that these were palm branches, which is the reason we call today Palm Sunday, because the people were spreading palm branches. But of course, as you noticed, Mark simply calls them leafy branches. Verse 8 says, Many people spread their robes on the road, and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna, he who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. The story of Christ's resurrection is without a doubt the single most important event ever to occur in the history of Christianity. According to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 beginning in verse 16, his letter to the church in Corinth says this, For if the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Therefore, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But Jesus did rise from the dead. And because of our faith in Jesus we too can have eternal life. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is fully alive. And next Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. However, let's pause for a moment and remind ourselves of what's happening in the world or what happened in the world almost 2,000 years ago on this day 
that we call Palm Sunday. We're entering what most Christians consider to be Holy Week. These seven days are set aside by Christians everywhere around the world to encourage us to pause from the busyness of our life and to reflect on the brief life of Jesus, His crucifixion, His death on the cross, His burial, and then the resurrection. Holy Week begins today on Palm Sunday. It's a day when Christians everywhere celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. I tend to say it's interesting, but it's much more than just interesting. It's a fulfillment of prophecy. Zechariah the prophet told us that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey 600 years before it actually happened. So in your Bibles, keep one hand there in Mark chapter 11, and with your other hand, turn to the Old Testament book of Zechariah. Zechariah 9, verse 9. This is what God's Word says. Daughter Zion, shout in triumph. Daughter Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, let's just pretend that we're going to take a break here in the sermon. And I'd like everybody to take a piece of paper and a pencil and write a few things down. I'd like you to write down two or three things that you're absolutely certain are going to happen one week from now. And then I'd like you to write down two or three things that you're absolutely certain are going to happen one year from now. And then lastly, I'd like you to write down two or three things that you're absolutely certain will happen 10 years from now. Now you can complete that list after the sermon's done, but once you make your list, I want you to ask yourself this question. How many of those things that you wrote down do you honestly think will happen exactly as you predicted? Zechariah the prophet told the nation of Israel that the long-awaited Jewish Messiah would ride into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, and he prophesied it 600 years before it ever happened. You know, most of us have no idea what's going to happen yet today. And we have no idea of what's going to happen tomorrow. Zechariah told us something that would happen 600 years before it actually happened. Now, for me personally, if anyone can tell me about something that's going to happen 600 years in the future, and then it actually happens exactly like they told me it was going to happen, I think we should pay attention to what they're saying. In the same way, while Jesus was living and walking on the earth, he told his disciples, he told his followers that there was a day coming when he was going to be crucified. He would die, he'd be buried, and then three days later he would come back to life. You know, it's not just me, I, I think it's all humanity. When someone tells us 
how they're going to die and exactly the situation around that death experience and then tells us that three days later they're going to rise from the grave, I think we should pay attention to what they're saying. Now let's go back to Mark 11. People are spreading their robes and Mark tells us they're spreading their robes and they're spreading these leafy branches before Jesus as he enters the city of Jerusalem riding on this donkey. And the people are rejoicing and shouting, Hosanna, he who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. We know from history that in the Roman Empire, when people waved branches and were shouting and hollering Hosanna, it was a way that they had for recognizing dignitaries. I can tell you now that those people in Jerusalem were recognizing Jesus with the same power and majesty and authority that they would recognize any royal official in the Roman Empire. They were approving him. In their minds, he, he had their full approval of being their king. Now, let's just step back and remind ourselves of what's going on there in Jerusalem at this moment. When Jesus rides into town on the back of this little donkey, this is no small parade. This is a big event. We know from history that there were, give or take, 50,000 people living in Jerusalem in that first century. Jesus and his disciples were in town to celebrate Passover, but they weren't the only ones that were visiting town. There were Jewish people from all over that part of the world who were in Jerusalem that particular week to celebrate Passover. And as we might imagine, during the Passover event, the number of people in Jerusalem would grow significantly compared to the everyday population in Jerusalem. There's a first century historian that we go back to time and time again to reference these things. His name is Josephus. And he tells us that in that year, when Jesus was crucified, the approximate number of lambs that were sacrificed on Passover was 25,000. Now just imagine 25,000 lambs being sacrificed for Passover. Now let's just do the math. If, if one lamb would serve the purpose for a family of ten, or it was acceptable for two smaller families to submit and sacrifice one lamb. But let's imagine that each lamb represents ten people. If there were 25,000 lambs sacrificed, that means there were 250,000 people who were celebrating Passover that year. And so as Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the back of this donkey, there's 250,000 people who are shouting and hollering, Hosanna. Now I can tell you I've never been in a crowd of 250,000. I know sometimes when our family gets together, there's now 11 of us, and when we're having fun and playing games and everybody's hollering, it gets kind of loud in the house. 11 people. I've been at sporting events where there might be a couple hundred people. Or professional events, the Minnesota Vikings or the Minnesota Twins, where there's tens of thousands of people. And it's really loud when everybody starts hollering. But I've never been in an event where 250,000 people were shouting and hollering and recognizing that Jesus was the Messiah that they'd been waiting for. 
These 250,000 people are not just anybody that showed up from anywhere. These are Jewish people who have had the opportunity, many of them have had the opportunity to see and hear Jesus teach and preach out there in the wilderness beyond the city limits of Jerusalem. They've witnessed him performing miracles. They've witnessed him giving sight to blind people, giving the gift of hearing to people who are deaf. They've witnessed Jesus miraculously healing lame people so they could walk. They've witnessed or perhaps they've heard about the fact that just a few days ago, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead four days after he had been placed in the tomb. It's these people who are waving branches and shouting Hosanna because they recognize that Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. That the king that Zechariah had prophesied would come to save his people 600 years previously. He has now arrived. And his name is Jesus. God told King David in 2 Samuel 7, beginning in verse 12, When your time comes and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up after you your descendant, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David's descendant has now arrived in Jerusalem, and his name is Jesus. God told Isaiah the prophet, and it's recorded for us in Isaiah 7.14. God's word says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. The Hebrew word Emmanuel literally means God with us. Emmanuel, the one that Isaiah prophesied back in Isaiah 7.14, Emmanuel has now arrived in Jerusalem, and his name is Jesus. The prophet Micah's prophecy, which is recorded for us in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, says this, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah, one will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from eternity. The one that Micah is talking about, when he says, one will come from you to be ruler over Israel, that one who Micah was prophesying about being born in Bethlehem is Jesus. And now, 30-some years later, Jesus has arrived in Jerusalem and 250,000 people are recognizing him as the long-awaited Messiah. This, this small handful of prophecies that I've just talked about, plus a hundred more, are all prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus. There are people who say, yes, those prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus, but there's still a few other prophecies that were not fulfilled. And that's right. But the only ones remaining are the ones that will be fulfilled when Jesus comes a second time and gathers his people to take us to heaven. The celebration of Palm Sunday that we're about here in America today originated in the churches of Jerusalem sometime during the 3rd or 4th century, and it continues to be celebrated by Christians every year all around the world. It was on this day, we believe, years ago, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, his public ministry is now over, and his death is only a few days away. 
And while there are 250,000 people in Jerusalem today, years ago, proclaiming Jesus as the king that they've been waiting for, there's 250,000 people at the beginning of the week who are proclaiming him king. But before the week is over, these people will be shouting, crucify him. The people will reject Jesus as the Messiah, and he will be crucified. Now, I want us to take one minute and turn back one page to the left. Go to Mark chapter 10. I want to read a couple verses there. Mark 10, beginning with verse 32, where Jesus tells his disciples what's going to happen when we get to Jerusalem. Verse 32 says, they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were astonished, but those who followed him were afraid. Taking the twelve aside again, he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him, and he will rise after three days. That time had come in God's divine, sovereign plan. The time had come for Jesus to die. Jesus understood what would be written years later in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 22. Jesus already understood this when he was in Jerusalem. 9.22, Hebrews says, According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 3, For I passed on to you as a most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. The shedding of Jesus' precious blood takes place only five days after Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the back of that donkey. Today, on Palm Sunday, this is the first day of Holy Week. This is the first day of the week when Jesus would go to the cross and shed his perfect blood as the full payment for our sin. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the first day of Holy Week. And for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, our lives will never be the same. I'd like to close with a blessing from the book of Jude, and then we'll have a prayer. This is a prayer from Jude. He says, Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Would you join me, please, in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that he was willing to give his life and shed his blood as the full and final payment for our sin. We thank you that he loved us long before we loved him. And God, we believe from the bottom of our hearts that when Jesus shed his blood, that it did pay the full price 
for our sin. That there's nothing more we need to do. There's nothing more we can do other than repent of our sin and believe that what Jesus did was true and powerful and faithful to your word. Lord, we could stand here and tell you thanks every day for the rest of our life and it would never be enough for what Jesus did for us on the cross. But Lord, our prayer today on Palm Sunday is that Christians everywhere would take a moment and reflect on what it was that Jesus did for us so many years ago. That we'd pause from the busyness of our lives and remind ourselves that Jesus is the Messiah the world has been waiting for. That he really did go to the cross. He really did die. He really was buried. And he really did come back to life. And he's just as much alive today as he was that day in Jerusalem. And Lord, here we are in the midst of this coronavirus craziness. And it's easy for us to get distracted. But God, we remind ourselves that even in the midst of the craziness, you are still God and you are in absolute control of everything that's happening. So Lord, I ask that you would direct the steps of our life. Help us to live our lives in ways that are different than the way the rest of the world lives their life. Help us to live our lives in ways that truly reflect our love and appreciation to Jesus for all he did for us. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.